Thank you, Joseph. That was beautiful, wasn't it? I love Communion Sunday. I hope you do too. I love gathering around our Lord's table to celebrate God's grace at work in our lives. I love knowing that when we come around this table, we come as equals, all of us. No one is smarter or holier or better deserving than anyone else. And no one is less righteous, less deserving, or less loved than anyone else. When we come to our Lord's table to share in on Communion Sunday or at other times when we share this holy meal, we are all just children of God. Children of God. We are redeemed by the saving work of Jesus, welcomed into the family of God. We all speak the same language. In this church, we're given a piece of bread, and we dip it into the juice, into the cup, and we hear those beautiful words, the body and the blood of Christ given for you. Those are such tender words of mercy and promise for each one of us, aren't they? It's the language of Christ that we speak. If it's your first time or your 500th or your 800th time, the power and love in those words truly come from God. This morning, we want to reflect on words that come from God, life that comes from God, no matter where you go after the service today, I hope some part of this reflection stays with you and as God speaks to you of his grace and his love for you. Our gospel lesson comes from Luke chapter 20, verses 27 through 39. Some Sadducees who deny there's a resurrection came to Jesus and asked, Teacher, Moses wrote for us that if a man's brother dies, leaving a widow but no children, the brother must marry the widow and raise up children for his brother. Now, there were seven brothers. The first man married a woman and then died childless. The second and then the third brother married her. Eventually, all seven married her, and they all died without leaving any children. Finally, the woman died too. In the resurrection, whose, life will she, whose wife will she be? All seven were married to her. Jesus said to them, People who belong to this age marry and are given in marriage, but those who are considered worthy to participate in that age, that is, in the age of the resurrection from the dead, won't marry or be given in marriage. They can no longer die because they are like angels and are God's children since they share in the resurrection. Even Moses demonstrated that the dead are raised in the passage about the burning bush when he speaks of the Lord as the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. He isn't the God of the dead, but of the living. To him, they are all alive. 
Some of the legal experts responded, Teacher, you have answered well. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Holy God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be pleasing to you this day. O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. You may recall that in Matthew chapter 16, 23, Jesus rebuked Peter, telling him that he, at one point, that he had set his mind on earthly things rather than on heavenly things or godly things. And I suggest to you that Jesus was doing much the same thing with the Sadducees and that there was an entirely different level of life with God and language that Christians speak that is unlike that of the rest of humanity. I'd like to explore that with you this morning. When was it that you first discovered that there are entirely different levels and types of language that don't begin to coincide with the way you speak or think or communicate? When did you discover that there are entirely different ways of living that look nothing like the way you live? Think beyond foreign languages. Let me give you a few examples. Birds. Birds. If you put some food out for a bird, when a bird is passing by and happens upon it, if you wait, it will. And that bird stops and scoops up some food and flies away. And if you wait long enough, or you go back to the same place each, each day at the same time and do the same thing, putting food out for the bird, pretty soon you're not going to have just that one bird. You're not going to just have two birds. You're going to have a whole group of birds coming to get that food. How do they know to do that? What's that language that they speak? Birdies or something? <laughs> they speak a language. They communicate. They say, hey, there's food over there. Let's get to that distribution site. <laughs> Is, it's true with many animals, though. As they live in their own level of existence, their own world, and they communicate in ways that we do not see, we do not hear, we do not understand. You can... For another example, see it with raccoons. We did. We were in Costa Rica sitting out on a nice patio behind our, our unit, and a little raccoon came up and, and got a bite of food, and the next night he came back with his friend. The next night he came back with seven friends. <laughs> Animals have a way of communicating that we just don't know about. And then think of people. If you spend much time watching people in different cultures, or you pay attention to family dynamics, or how people in groups, professional or other, relate to each other, you can easily see ways of living and communicating that have much more going on with them than anything we ever say in words. 
Did any of you grow up in a home where one of your parents could give you that certain look? No words were spoken. Nobody else heard anything, but you knew. You knew exactly what was expected of you. It should not be a surprise to us then to think the language of living with God as different and unlike that, those who have no interest in God kinds of things. So what is the lesson we hear from Jesus this morning about our own lives, our relationship with Jesus and with each other from this passage? What can we learn today about Christian living and being part of a church family? Sometimes we assume that there is just one way, our way. Not true. Not true. And what difference does Jesus living in us and through us make? This old lesson about the Sadducees not believing in life after death does have something to say to us today. Hebrews 12, 1 through 2 says, Let us also run the race laid out in front of us, since we have such a great cloud of witnesses surrounding us. Let's throw off any extra baggage, get rid of any sin that trips us up, and fix our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. You see, there's a whole lot going on in another level of God's kingdom that we don't often see and are not aware it's even taking place, but it's there. It's the part that Paul said in Romans 8, 28, God works good in all things for those who love God, those who are called according to his purpose. If God has a higher purpose than what we see in our limited perceptions, and if God works good in all things for those who love God and are called according to his purpose, then perhaps like Job, we should remember our place in God's kingdom. Do you remember the story of Job? After all of his losses, after all of his suffering and his struggles and the critiques of his friends, God spoke to Job. You can read it in the 38th chapter of Job. God said, Gird up your loins like a man. I will question you, and you will declare to me, Where were you when I laid the foundations of the earth? Who laid the cornerstone when the morning stars first sang together? Have you commanded the mornings since your days began? What is the place where light began? Friends, we worship an awesome God. Amazing, awesome God. Our story about the Sadducees going to Jesus with a contrived little story about all these brothers marrying the widow and their family points to the ignorance of those who tried to entrap Jesus with what they thought was so clever and so intelligent. In heaven, it wouldn't matter. Instead, 
Jesus came back talking in a way that they didn't understand. He spoke of life with God that was a different language. He spoke of living with God in such a way that definitions of words changed. What we know of life on this earth and in these times is so limited. It's such a small inkling of the life that is to come. Holy Communion gives us a peek. It's a glorious life to come. We live it out at our communion table. Last week we celebrated and remembered that some of our brothers and sisters in faith have joined that great cloud of witnesses in heaven. They stand shoulder to shoulder with Peter and James and John, with your loved ones, with all the saints who have gone before us. They stand together and they cheer us on. Don't for a minute think that they're no longer interested in you. Of course they care. Of course they do. Don't doubt that they celebrate in Holy Communion when we gather around our Lord's table and share in the bread and the cup. Jesus tells us that living with God in the next life is very different, and yet we know of it in this life. We know, or we can know, God's presence and care in this life, and we can imagine it multiplied many, many times over in the life to come. Back in the eighth chapter of Romans, Paul said, in all things we are victors through him who loves us. Nothing can separate us from the love of God. Our faith is growing and getting stronger as God works in us. This has been true since the times of Abraham and Moses. It's God's will and God's good purpose for his kingdom. Those who love God have so much to look forward to in this life and in the life to come. The problem for us, though, sometimes, is that we lose sight of the multiple levels of creation and life. We get stuck in our own little world. We think that it all depends on us and what we see, what we can know. And we get so caught up in trying to control it that we become exhausted and burned out. I used to tell people that as a pastor, I could work all week, do a funeral on Friday, do a wedding on Saturday, and start right back in on Sunday for the next week. I could keep going like that, but if I did it two, two times in a row so that two weekends were completely taken up, you wouldn't want to be around me. I wouldn't even like me. <laughs> Three weeks without Sabbath is not a good idea for pastors. We pastors have to live in a Sabbath rhythm, too. Do you have Sabbath time in your life? Do you very carefully and lovingly give yourself time for rest and prayer? Do you allow time to listen to God and to study his word, rather than thinking that you have all the answers and you're just too busy to think about things like resurrection and the grace of God. You see, that was the real problem with the Sadducees. 
they were thought of as very intelligent and educated men. We don't hear of them now, though, because when Jerusalem fell, they were destroyed. Nothing lives after them. So their claim that there's no resurrection might well have been true for them. They may not have inherited eternal life. Friends, as we gather around our Lord's table, let us trust in and celebrate what Jesus did for us. Let us seek renewal and nurture right here. Come spend a minute or two in prayer at the communion rail and and reflect on God's grace and nurture as you receive it through the bread and the cup. Amen. I invite you to turn to page 12 in your hymnals and hear the invitation to our Lord's table.